I'm Amanda, and this is Not Your Granny's Quilt Show. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I have Jenny Grover as my guest. She is a wellness coach for makers. Her focus is to get makers back in a good space, whether it be their physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or their creative wellness that needs work. She's a one-on-one coach. She works with each individual person um, and their needs. So I'm just really excited to talk to Jenny and hear what she has to say. So let's get into it. Have you been over to Patreon yet? Well, if not, now is a great time to hop on over there. When you pledge your $5 to the show, you get a Not Your Granny's Quilt Show sticker sent right to your door. So get over there, patreon.com slash Not Your Granny's Quilt Show to sign up today. I just want to thank everybody so much for being here and listening and watching on YouTube, wherever you're at, whatever platform you're on, go ahead and leave a review go subscribe on YouTube. If you haven't already, it really helps my channel out and helps this show grow. So if you haven't done that yet, please head over to your platform and do what you need to do. Thanks. I just kind of mulling it over and, you know, I just really feel, I really feel good about like what we talked about and that the idea of openness. And I think Mm. I've been trying to like I guess not trying, but it's just like popped up in my head like a couple of times that like, I really need to explain myself, I guess, like feeling Mm -hmm. the need to explain myself, which could just be like my anxiety because, you know, people pleaser, but, um, you know, by the name of stuff, of course you're going to take that impression. Right. But then it's like, why judge a book by its cover? Like, aren't we past, we should be past that kind of thing. Like, Oh, why is this person saying this? Like, unless it's like, you know, I hate gays. Like probably Mm -hmm. I have like a, a reason behind why I'm saying it. And like the people Mm -hmm. who get it, get it. And the people who don't are like, how dare you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, do I need to explain it better? Like, do I do just like an Instagram reel where I kind of, Mm -hmm. or like a story where I save it to my highlights and just kind of explain myself. And I'm like, am I just wanting to do that? Because I'm scared that I'm not pleasing enough people because I'm leaning into old habits of mm-hmm. ignoring my own self, you know, and just mm-hmm. letting it slide, but I don't know. So, yeah, I think it's good to do a little self-inquiry there and ask that question. I think if you are wondering if you're people pleasing, then you probably are to some <laughs> degree, <laughs> yeah, right? That's been my own personal experience. That's <laughs> yeah. my experience with other people. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody is going to come to everything with preconceived notions. And I'll admit that when I saw the title of your podcast, I had a moment of like, holy, wait, 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 because I'm 50. And I have <laughs> lots of friends and family members who are in their like 40s, late 40s and early 50s who are grandmothers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is she and then I went, wait, 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 Jenny, you're having like a first impulse reaction. Mm-hmm. that does not take into account who this person is or what their podcast is. So how about you listen to a couple episodes and then you make your decision. And I did. And I was like, Oh, I get it. I yeah. get this person. I get it. <laughs> I mean, my impression is that what you're saying is, I mean, first of all, they didn't have podcasts when either any of my grannies were alive. <laughs> right. <laughs> but to me, I guess the way that I inter, I think So I'm of two minds. I've had people say to me, like, it's not your grandma's whatever. 
in the sense of like, they were old fashioned and they were boring and they're closed minded and whatever. And then mm. there's this other take that is like, it is just not where it's not your granny's quilt show or it's not your grandma's quilt or whatever, mm-hmm. because it's just evolved a lot. And evolution is how we all get to where we are in the present. So to pretend that we don't evolve or change is to say, I mean, that, that would be ridiculous. Right. right. And so my impression and tell me if I'm wrong, but my impression is that you're saying, um, I'm doing things differently. I'm not feel. I'm not reading the title as a token, uh, as a statement of disrespect or dismissal. I'm reading it as a statement coming from like I'm from a younger generation. I'm going to do things differently. Yeah, and I I can't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. And like when we were coming up with the name, my friend Miranda was still involved, and yeah, I think you know she's in the earlier episodes, but. And I think for us, it was just really, we're both like the oldest child in the family and feel like Mm -hmm. we've always had a lot of pressure put on us to be the one that does all the things correctly and perfectly. And Mm -hmm. whether that's true or not, that's the perception we've had for a long time. And like, especially being women and navigating being millennials in this weird ass world and (laughs) like, and then to be also like not only get mansplained 24 seven by older gentlemen who think they know everything, but mm-hmm. then to turn around into like the craft that we love that our other friends forced us into <laughs> sure. that, that we found a love for and really want to do, but then to be like met with this like weird yeah. nastiness from the older and not always the older generation of, mm-hmm. of them, but like, it's mm-hmm. more of the mindset, I guess that we were kind of like, you know what? We don't need that. We can do this differently and we can grow this, Mm -hmm. this craft and this community in a different way, a more inclusive way. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. Anyway. So, well, let me just say that as someone who started a company in, I always forget what year it was, um, 2004, 2005, you know, many years ago, almost 20 years ago called chronic babe that I understand the pushback from older generations. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started my advocacy work, I was aiming for, I think I told you previously, like young women, I was saying high school women to 40. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was aiming for. And it didn't mean I was saying that no, no other woman or female presence is um, not worthy, but it was just that I didn't find myself represented in the resources out there for people with my chronic conditions. And so I felt called to create something that I would have wished for when I was first diagnosed and mm-hmm. that what I wished for other younger women. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of pushback over the years. I had people literally create I had a person create an entire website about what an ass hat I was. <laughs> so <laughs> Wow. They have a lot of time on their hands. They have a lot of time on their hands. So I I don't, you're always going to get pushback. And I think it's okay to stand up and say, I need something different that I feel represents me and my generation or my cohort or my peers or whatever. Yeah. And it's okay to create that for yourselves. And there will always be people who don't like it. And so how you respond to those people. If you respond with grace, you say, like you said, thank you for your feedback. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your perspective. 
would you like to continue this conversation? I'd love to tell you more about why, you know, mm -hmm. I, you seem upset. Mm -hmm. I'd love to discuss this further, or maybe you don't want to discuss it further. And that's also okay. Right. But like getting into that mindset of, I don't have to please everybody. I don't have to be everybody's everything. Abraham mm -hmm. Lincoln already explained this to us. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, right. you've, you've yeah. got to have a little bit of blinders of like, well, those, those folks, I can, you know, it's good to inquire and say, is there any grain of truth to what they're saying that I need yeah. to examine? You know, yeah. does this raise any issue for me that I need to look at in a deeper way? And if it doesn't, the best you can do is just, you know, brush them yeah. off your shoulder and move yeah. on. But yeah, I know easier said than done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and in that one episode in question, like I, there was the spot where you know, that conversation mm -hmm. happened. It was like maybe 42 seconds long. Like it was oh. just the tiniest blip in the middle of the entire episode. Yeah. And I even paused on that area and I was like, oh, should I cut this out? Like, it's going to, it might make some people mad. Like I really hesitated yeah. on it. And mm -hmm. part of me was like, no, mm -hmm. we said what we said. Our experience mm -hmm. is our experience. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to edit that because people need to hear mm -hmm. that they're not alone in feeling this if they're feeling it. And they're yeah. like, and it kind of like, if you're reacting to it, then look in the mirror. Like if that yeah. offended you, then why? Like, yeah reflecting something back to you probably that you don't like about yourself yeah, right right you know or or you're making a snap judgment right which we so often do on social media and so yeah. maybe reflect on how you're taking in this information right and and how your response might impact a person who's right. genuinely trying to do their best you know? right yeah and honestly like if that was the meanest comment I ever get in my whole life yeah I like, I've been spoken to worse, like a thousand times worse working retail. So oh, I'm yeah. like, I can take anything at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 I've yeah. been a teacher and working <laughs> retail before that, like, yeah, wait, like I can take it. <laughs> yeah. Wait till someone makes a whole website about what a terrible person you are. It you know, will, hasn't it yet, will so. teach you, it will teach you how to break some of those like chains of feeling constrained by other people's opinions. Yeah. Oh my God. I cannot, <laughs> I can't like, what a waste of that person's time too. Yeah, like right? what do they think they're doing? You know what? Okay. I was pissed when it first happened. I was sad. I was upset. And then yeah. they, I, they sent me so much website traffic over the years. <laughs> You're like, you know, this worked out for me really. Yeah. People would people like, who is this person? Yeah. People would message me because of course they were anonymous and people, yeah. I think I figured out who it was, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. But people would message me and say, do you know about this? And I'd say, yes. Isn't it great? I'm it's getting so, so much traffic. <laughs> free advertising. Yeah. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah. It's funny, but yeah. well, that kind of, I guess, leads us a little bit into kind of what we were going to be talking about today. But first, yeah. before we get fully into that, okay. um, I would love for you to just kind of give your, give an overview to our listeners and let them know like who you are, what you do, where you come from kind of thing. And then we can roll into our topic. Okay. Sounds good. So Hi, I'm Jenny Grover. I'm a wellness coach for makers. I'm also a maximalist quilter. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not about the neutrals for me. Um, 
Although I'm learning that the eye needs a place to rest. And so sometimes neutrals are important. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've been quilting since about 2014. And I didn't learn how to sew when I was a kid. Really, I had a couple of false starts, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, And a friend of mine said, you know, I think you'd really like quilting. You like lots of color and fabric and patterns and textiles and textures and I think you'd really think it was fun. And I said to her, that is an old craft for old people and it's boring and I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I was ignorant. I'm just going to say that plain and clear. I was ignorant. I had no idea what I was talking about. I had, I was holding on to some prejudice that didn't make any sense. I think that, you know, as someone who grew up in the seventies and eighties as a kid, a lot of the quilts I saw then were pretty ugly. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I think that all quilts looked like that. That's what I thought, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea. So I'm really thankful for my friend Brandy, who is an amazing quilter and and artist for really pushing me into it because Mm -hmm. um, she really opened my mind. Like I had no idea how close my mind was about this. So, um, that becoming a quilter was a journey in itself. And then I've always had a passion for wellness. I mean, after I quit smoking when I was 25, <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, you know, you know what I'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nor should we try really. It's boring. Like 25. Um, like, like that's early to quit. That's good. It is early to quit. I've been quit half my life. So that's pretty great. There um, you go. But well, maybe more because I didn't start smoking when I was born. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, you know, at 25, I was diagnosed with a bunch of chronic illnesses that were just utterly disabling and life changing. And I had to learn how to take care of myself and advocate for myself. I eventually had to change my career completely. Um, after a while I became a full-time patient, professional patient advocate and chronic illness coach and started a company called chronic babe, which was all about serving younger women. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if I had to do it again today, I would word that a little differently to be a little more inclusive, but Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, when I got sick at 25, there weren't resources for people like me, specifically around fibromyalgia, which was the main condition, Mm -hmm. they were not diagnosing 25 year old people with fibro. And so I was very much alone in terms of representation by, um, even just the pamphlets they handed me. And when I was diagnosed and, um, let alone support groups or online resources, all that stuff, I didn't have a thing for me. So I created this thing called chronic babe, which was all about serving young women. Mm -hmm. So ever since I did that work, which I finished in 2019. Um, I, you know, I did that for 16 years and I care so much about people's wellness and that journey really in my own health and in that work taught me that there's such a diversity in the ways that we can take care of ourselves. So wellness isn't just drinking green juice and doing yoga and quitting smoking and like those <laughs> right. things, like yeah. it's very, very multidimensional. So 
I stopped that work in 2019 because it's hard to live in a body full of chronic illness and work all all day about chronic illness. Like right. I had no break. Um, yeah. You're like, I need some rest. <laughs> yeah. And my own health was changing and getting better. And I just needed work that was more reflective of that. So mm -hmm. I decided to train to be a wellness coach. Um, and then my coaching started in March of 2020. That's when oh, my training started. Great timing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was an interesting time to change careers. Um, <laughs> and as so many people listening, I'm sure have gone through something similar, yeah. um, three years later, more than three years later, but I, I did become a wellness coach and I decided to lean into that creative side because I feel so strongly that creativity when nurtured helps improve our wellness in other areas yeah. and our wellness when nurtured makes us more creative. And so I call myself a wellness coach for makers. I'm just going to say that most of my clients are quilters <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a quilter and that's who my community is. And, yeah. um, but I work with people who make all kinds of stuff. So I bring that passion for like everything visual and textural and also a kind of really multi-dimensional care about wellness together to help my clients really become the healthiest version of themselves. And that includes being well creatively. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I like, when I tell you I manifested this, like <clears throat> I set intentions at the beginning of the year, I was like, I'm going to, I need to talk for my own self too, just like, but yeah. also to bring in more of like who I am as a person outside of just being a quilter, but like I'm heavily into wellness and mental mm. health and like so much. So like, just as a couple, my husband and I, like that has been a pillar of our relationship of like always putting our mental and emotional and spiritual growth above mm -hmm. everything else. And like loving and respecting each other through our own journeys and realizing we're at different points and da da da. But like, mm. but really just had the desire to begin speaking more to people who do what you do or people like you that can speak to the mental health and just wellness, overall wellness benefits of, of being creative, but also the need, uh, excuse me, good grief, <clears throat> the overall need to care for yourself. Like you can't just quilt away your problems. You know, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are like, oh, quilting is my therapy, which is like fantastic, but there's so much more to it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes so, you also need therapy, therapy. Yeah. Like <laughs> how about get real therapy also and use right. quilting as a tool to like yeah. fuel some of that. Yeah. So, which, you know, I'm all for people getting well, how they need to get well. But, mm -hmm. uh, I think for me personally, I, I don't know where, I don't even want to imagine where I'd be at this moment if I didn't like march myself into mm -hmm. therapy, like. 2018, I think, because my mm -hmm. grandma had passed away in 2017. And that was like the first really big loss I had experienced. Mm. And Sorry. it threw me like mm -hmm. I was a wreck. And my husband was like, um, maybe some therapy because you're scary right now. And I was like, oh. am I? Okay, fine. I'll go get therapy. <laughs> Y'all can't see Amanda right now, but her eyes just got real wild. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, people who know me will know that look. So it's fine. Yeah. Um, but 
anyway, so yeah, I just, I love the idea of, of coupling, you know, the, the overall wellness of a person and, and using the creativity to help that, but to also, you know, reignite your creativity. Cause sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, all I do is quilt all day, every day. And, you know, two of my three best friends who are my quilt besties, like they don't even want to touch their sewing machines right now. And it's like, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. so it's, we're all kind of in different stages and I'm like constantly wanting to share quilty stuff with them and they like it and it's fine. It's, you know, they get that that's where I'm at, but Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. I think having room for ourselves in terms of how we think about our own wellness journey. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, giving ourselves grace and, and the staying open to the possibility that our journey is not going to look like other people's, I think is really important. Yeah. And likewise, I think it's great when we can move through the world without judging other people's process. Right. Um, you know, during the pandemic, I had so many friends say to me, oh my gosh, I love all this time. I'm getting so much done. I'm making so many things. I'm making so much progress. Meanwhile, I had like a year where I didn't quilt anything. I didn't, I didn't make stuff. I, yeah. I felt like I was doing great just to stay alive, literally. And mm-hmm. I felt kind of jealous and I felt kind of angry <laughs> and I, right. felt, you know, and I, the more I processed it, the more I backed away and said, listen, their process is their process. I've got mine. Mm-hmm. My Sojo is going to come back. Theirs is going to fade. It's all like progress is not linear, right? It's like right. this insane, like nightmare of a roller coaster because every direction. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So to be patient with ourselves and patient with others for, you know, where we are and where we need to get to on our journey, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I guess that kind of lends into just this topic that we, we had previously discussed of just focusing on like the openness of, of, thinking about your own process Mm. and open to being, you know, having changes occur in your life. And, you know, it just, for me, like I had conveyed to you, like that has been probably the biggest, you know, thing I've come out of the last three years with is, is having to be more open to changing my mind about where I'm at Mm. in life and my identity and who I am and what that means. And and you know, it relates to the name of the show. Like, yeah, are you open enough to hear that I'm not pointing fingers or you know, it's like mm-hmm. there's just all this stuff wrapped up in the word openness. And so mm-hmm. um yeah, like let's let's talk let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, I think um, you know, I love that you wanted to talk about this because I think it applies to a lot of different things, you know, as I alluded to earlier Mm -hmm. in my own sewing and quilting journey, I was very closed Mm -hmm. when someone suggested quilting to me, I had this really like ancient, ignorant idea of what quilting was. And I felt very closed off Mm -hmm. from the possibility that that would be, that would include me. And it just took five minutes on Pinterest. And I was like, I'm a dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow. Yeah. I don't normally talk about myself like that. And I really wasn't a dummy, but I definitely was like really working from a position of, of being very closed off to possibilities. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that's just a perfect first example to stress, because if I had stayed closed off, 
Oh, it's going to make me start to cry even to think about this. If I had stayed closed off, if I had said to my friend, absolutely not. And just to close the book on it. Yeah. I would not, I don't think I'd have this wellness coaching business. Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't have made the high school graduation quilt for my niece that I wrapped her up in Mm -hmm. last weekend. That was like incredibly meaningful for her and, Mm -hmm. and me and our families. I would not have been president of the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild and been able to serve a community during the pandemic through leadership and help us stay, you know, solvent. Um, I wouldn't have had so many of the freelance writing gigs. You know, I'm a journalist by training. I wouldn't have been able to write for great, great publications like Quilt Folk and Quilt Maker and SusieQuilts.com. Like there's mm-hmm. so much in my life that I would not have if I had in that one moment, not been willing to open my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, I, I'm sure I sound really woo-woo right now, like the butterfly flaps its wings and, you know, yeah. I know. <laughs> no. Yeah. But I mean, everything builds on, on things. And so any moment that we have to pause and reflect on how closed we are to something mm-hmm. is a moment of opportunity to open to something that could literally be life-changing, you yeah, know? Absolutely. So the question is then how do we, how do we stay open? How do we get open? Yeah. How do we stay open? Yeah. No. Yeah. So I I think when I work with my coaching clients, like I have clients sometimes who, um, okay. In particular, there's an exercise that we do that is a visualization exercise where I have them close their eyes if they're comfortable doing that. And they Mm -hmm. imagine Um, They imagine themselves 20 or 30 years from now. Mm -hmm. They imagine like the wisest version of themselves that they can picture. Mm -hmm. They imagine walking toward that version of themselves and sitting down and having a cup of tea or whatever, and having a conversation with that version of themselves. And a lot of times when I suggest this exercise, people bristle. They are like, what? That's nuts. (laughs) Like, how am I supposed to imagine myself? so much wiser. I can't even imagine now what it means to be wise, like, Mm -hmm. you know, or they feel strange doing a visualization or they, it's very impractical air quotes in the sense that it's not like an exercise that yields a specific action plan. It's vulnerable. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. And so sometimes people, and I don't judge them for this, but sometimes people are kind of closed off to doing the work. Yep. Yep. It can feel scary. You mentioned it's vulnerable. It can feel strange. It's unusual. Mm-hmm. Certainly not like something that you typically do in therapy or right. in work or whatever. Right. But, you know, I can tell you from my own experience that allowing myself to open my mind to the possibility of meeting this wiser version of myself mm-hmm. was so monumentally helpful to me when I, when my own coach led me through the exercise, mm-hmm. I felt like I could see my own potential. And even though that older version of me didn't have every answer that I wanted to get from her, I could imagine myself older, wiser, more experienced Mm -hmm. and more open. And it's almost like I downloaded that feeling into myself right at that moment. Like I felt wiser. I felt more open. I felt more self-confident. Ooh. And then now I can think, well, what would Jenny 20 years from now do? And I'd be like, well, Jenny 20 years from now has figured out, uh, you know, how how to work 
in her garden without straining her back and how it works. So like, what would she say? Well, she'd say, stop bending over to pick weeds all the time and grab yourself an kneeling pad. I mean, do you yeah. know what I can, yeah. I can think about right. that? And yeah. So, and it, so I think it's really good for people when they feel that sense of like digging their heels in on something, that's mm -hmm. a moment to pause and ask, how am I closed off? Yeah. You know, like, why am I pushing so hard against this mm -hmm. idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the first step is really just noticing, oh man, I'm really closed mm -hmm. off to possibility right now. Or, yeah. you know, so, so Amanda, for you, like when you think about that, is there something in your recent memory that you felt like you had a really strong idea about, and maybe someone was trying to convince you and you were like, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I do. And it's so funny. Cause like, I've, like I said, in this last like three or four years has been when I've personally experienced the most growth. And a lot of that had to do with the therapy I was experiencing. I don't see my therapist anymore, but you know, I'm on an as needed basis. So I can always go back if mm -hmm. I'm feeling it, but, um, you know, she really gave me a lot of tools that I've, and I was willing to put in the work when I, that first time I sat down, I was like, listen, you do not have to be tender with me. Like I'm here mm -hmm. to put the work in. I'm sick of being this person. I know I can do better. And she was like, okay. So anyway, <laughs> but so did she, did she push you to do like a certain exercise or something that you were like, I don't know about this, you know? Um, I was pretty open. I mean, she taught me some breathing tools and cause I, I would like my anxiety was bonkers before and, yeah. um, didn't realize, you know, as a former teacher, I had, you know, experienced a lot of diagnosed ADHD students. And as I was like, kind of researching and learning more about, it, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I have ADHD, like self-diagnosis, mm -hmm. obviously, cause I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then as I was, you know, going through that therapy and talking with her and, you know, we did some different questionnaires and things. She's like, this isn't ADHD. She's like, you have freaking anxiety. Like mm. she's like all those behaviors that you're talking about as a kid and like these things and this, she's like, that's anxiety. And she's like, mm. this is what happens is it comes across looking like ADHD. And so it gets misdiagnosed all the time huh. in little kids and it's treated very differently. And I was just like, oh shit. Like, I mean, yeah, ADHD wasn't wow. even a word I knew until I got into, you know, until I was way older. So I had no clue how to like connect that as a kid. I just knew I had a ton of energy and it was wild and didn't really have a place to go. And it freaked my parents out a lot. Cause they were just like, Oh my God, sit down and shut up. Quit making so much noise. Like, hmm. but anyway, <clears throat> so that was really eye opening to just like, be able to accept that about myself and mm -hmm. realize a lot of the pushing back that I was doing to change. Cause my husband's like, let's move every year. Let's do this. Let's see. Like he wants to do a million thousand things every five minutes and uh -huh. which is great. Cause he's, he has tons of great ideas and that's what has driven us to, to do a lot of the things that we've done mm -hmm. in our life. But the most, I guess, recent was, um, so we have a, we live in a duplex, we own it. So we rent out the one side and then in our side, um, we had like redone the bathroom in the master bedroom because his mom moved in with us for a while. And then he was like, we should just like move, stay living upstairs and turn it into an Airbnb. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't mm -hmm. think so. Like, I don't want to do that. And he kind of mentioned it before his mom moved in. And then when his mom needed to move in, 
it was kind of more of a conversation. Like we've already done the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like all we would have to do is like, you know, redo the rest of the living room kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, I, I was pushing back so hard against it. Mm-hmm. He was like, come on. Like, I know it's, <clears throat> it's not conventional, but like, that's like the whole thing is you have to get uncomfortable and do unconventional things. If you want to live an extraordinary life. And hmm. it's always been his thing is like, I just want my life to be extraordinary. And <clears throat> anyway, so, you know, we listen to real estate stuff and read a lot of real estate things. Cause we do have real estate investments. And just the more I thought about it, the more I was like, why am I pushing back so hard on this? Like we already hmm. are living in the upstairs. We'd have to like move all of our stuff downstairs again. And do all this like our bed is ridiculously heavy because it's yeah. like one of those jelly mattresses that's just like impossible oh. to move. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, I don't want to move that back downstairs. And like, I'm like, yeah, let's just do it. And he was like, wait, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm pushing so hard against it. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing. If we hate it, we can stop at any time. Yeah. And I just don't think I would have been able to talk myself into trying it if I hadn't had like the, the years and, and hours of therapy and, and work that I had mm. done, but it was like a couple of years of him. Yeah. Kind of like dropping little seeds of like, let's do this. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, I don't yeah. want strangers in my house. I don't, da, da, da. you know, like all my reasons, but it has literally been so great. Oh, so great. Okay. Like most everybody that's come through has been absolutely lovely and just, and I speak love and light into my home every day and just yeah. manifest that, like, which, you know, is woo woo and I'm fine with it. Cause that's <laughs> who I am, but just manifest that like nothing but love is going to walk through that front door mm. whenever people join us. And, mm-hmm. and the times where it hasn't, it's, we just be as loving as we can mm-hmm. with those, the couple of times that it hasn't worked out the best and just send them off with gratitude and peace and just say, Mm -hmm. you know, no hard feelings, but please Mm -hmm. don't come back (laughs) kind of things like this. You're not a good fit for our our space. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's our home, we can say that, you know, we live here too. So you're not just coming into an empty house. You're coming into our home where we live and love each other and Mm -hmm. strive for a calm that we have never experienced you know, mm-hmm. except for together because we've worked really hard for it. Yeah. And so, so that, it's interest, interesting to me that like, there were numerous points along that journey where you could have closed off, you could have stayed, you know, mm-hmm. but you said yes to therapy. You said yes to keep going to therapy. Some people say yes to therapy and go once or twice and go now, nah, that's for me. Yeah. Like you kept saying yes. You were closed to the ideas that your husband presented and he was very persistent. He is very <laughs> persistent. <laughs> yes. Strong, strong personality. And uh-huh. you eventually opened yourself to the possibility. And then you stayed open to evolving that. And you st- have stayed open to the process, even though you've had some negative experiences, you've asked yourself, but what was positive about this? Or what can we just do differently to make it a little better or mm-hmm. You know, how do we, even if we can't make it better, how can we approach these people energetically so that we're not carrying around a bunch of really hard emotional baggage Mm -hmm. around this decision? Like you've 
you've stayed open or you've allowed yourself to open up to a lot of things. So I think that's a second step besides just first noticing when we're closed, a great second step is asking, is this person who's challenging me someone I trust? Mm -hmm. So for example, your therapist or your husband, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling pushed. I'm feeling closed off to this but the person who's trying to open me up is someone I deeply trust. Mm-hmm. And so it's good if you can discern that, then you can say, okay, this is scary to me. Mm-hmm. I have concerns. I have anxiety, whatever they are, yeah. but I trust this person. So I'm going to open up in part because I trust this person. Yeah. So I think that's the second thing for all of us to remember is that when we build a community or family of choice for ourselves mm-hmm. of people that we really deeply trust Um, then it's easier to stay open to challenging things because you know that even if, even if they bomb, (laughs) yeah, right. Your, your people are going to be there to lift you up, to catch you. If you, it's a trust fall, you know, it really is. Yeah. 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 It really is. So yeah, that noticing is the first step. And the second step is really thinking about like, is whatever's pushing me a trust, a trustworthy source of challenge, you know, I mean, I definitely, um, you know, I've, I've had times where I have felt really closed off to certain things and I needed someone almost know me better than I knew myself to point out to me, like, Hey, this is the thing that's happening and you need to consider that Mm -hmm. you're not, you're missing something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was, that's where, you know, my husband lovingly telling me like, please go to therapy. Like you are so angry. He's like, I, for your own self, he's like, it's not for me. Like, I love you Mm -hmm. and you know, we'll get through it. But also like, do you really want to stay this way? Do you really want to be this person? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think you do. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that this is who you are or who you want to be. Mm -hmm. Like, Why don't you consider, you know? And I was like, I immediately started looking around. I got a recommendation from a, uh, you know, one of my coworkers at the time and, um, for a grief therapist and Mm. they took our insurance that we had at the time. So that was Mm -hmm. great. And she was really close to my school. So I could just zip over there really quickly. And, and I, you know, again, he, I trust him with my whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, I trust him more than probably anybody else. And so that, that ability for him to be trusting that I would receive mm-hmm. it, mm. to say, like, cause I think too, we can have relationships, whether it's, you know, a, a significant other or a friend, or just someone who, like you said, is in our, our found family, the people we surround mm-hmm. ourselves with, like mm-hmm. sometimes they're not going to be, they're not open to hearing what, yeah. And it's risk. It's a risk to say those things, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I've definitely made changes in my life that um, certain family members have not been happy with. And I had to do it for myself, but also with the the knowledge that if it didn't go well, if they did reject me, that I'd already built this other community of support. So, yeah, you know, when I think about this creatively, I think this same thing applies, you know, for me being in a guild really helps my process in a big way, because 
I know I can try things. And if I, if I try something, if I'm on retreat, for example, and I fiddle with a technique and it's just hot garbage, Mm -hmm. you know, people are going to be gentle, but they're going to be honest and they're going to support me in making changes, or they're going to say, great job trying that. Yeah. Let's compost that garbage and work out. (laughs) No, they wouldn't say that. No one would say that. Yeah. Right. Like, but light that one on fire and let's start over. (laughs) Right. Right. And so there's that safety that we need when we want to open up to change. We, we need that safety net. We need our people who not only introduce us to the ideas that can trigger change for us, but then they're there to support us along the path. So if something isn't going right, they might help us pivot. If something truly feels like it's just not working at all, they give us permission to stop. You know, if something's going great, they sing our praises. Like they're there to help, help us through the process, but staying open to change, being open to change. Like we can't, I don't think we really can do it very successfully in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need our people, you know, our support systems (laughs) around us. And that takes me to another aspect of openness that I think is really critical is having a diverse support system. Mm -hmm. And so when I talk about support systems with people, sometimes they, even in that, sometimes people are very close to what that can look like. Yeah. So they might consider their support system to only be their like best friend and their family. And that's it. Yeah. I look at it as, okay, sure. My best friend, 100%, um, my chosen family, 100%, my partner, my spouse, Joe, Mm -hmm. you know, but then it's like, I'm looking out my window as we talk, I see neighbors on either side of my office, neighbors across the street, Mm-hmm. who are all amazing and who are on like team Jenny and team Joe, they are mm-hmm. our people. So I can ask them for help. I've already gotten one text this morning from a neighbor asking me for help, <laughs> you know? And so I, I have an openness about how I consider who my team is. My team includes people like you, you're here bringing me on your podcast, letting, giving some of your airtime to me to share my ideas. You know, it's people in my guild, it's my healthcare team. It's yeah. coworkers, whatever. We can think about our system of support as very, as being very broad. And in doing that, that means that we are trusting other kinds of people. And so we get fresh ideas. And that's another key part of staying open is surrounding ourselves with a variety of perspectives and people. So, you know, yeah, people of every origin, I won't even make the list because the list is so long of ways different, you know, people can be different from us, right? Mm -hmm. But people of every sort, we Mm -hmm. want all those kinds of people. We want, I mean, that's it. We want people of different genders, different spiritual paths, Mm -hmm. different ages, different skin colors, different belief systems, different politics, different yeah. creative styles. We need to be surrounded by a variety. So then we, we do get our minds opened to other ideas. And that's goes back right to the heart of how I started quilting. I'm surround yeah. myself with a lot of artists and weirdos and wild yeah. people. And they come to me with these wild ideas. And because I trust them and I know them, I'm able to be open and say, okay, let me, sure. I'll try that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that's a big part of being open to is making sure that we are stimulating ourselves with all kinds of perspectives and ideas. Yeah, absolutely. How yeah, do you I love do that, that in your, oh, sorry. Oh. 
I was just going to say, how do you, how do you do that in your life? Like, do you, how do you ensure you're getting lots of different ideas so that you're open to fresh perspectives? Um, well, this podcast for one, like Mm. I have talked to a lot of people that I don't, I wouldn't have had access to like those experiences or, you know, that variety of type of person here locally. Like I wouldn't be able to find that in my guild or my local shops. And so, um, quilty wise, but just also opening my mind to like different experiences that people have had coming to quilting Mm -hmm. or how they experience quilting currently. And, um, that has been really great. And I feel like, I feel like meeting more people who are so open mm-hmm. to other types of people, you know, just like mm-hmm. in that mindset too, like has just further opened me up to wanting to talk to more and different people and, yeah, um, and really just like open that experience. And then also accept that like, I'm very sheltered here where I am from. And, mm. you know, I was basically, I was born and raised here. I yeah. Moved- where, where are you? I don't actually know where you live. Oh, I'm in Boise, Idaho. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's very homogenous and super white, super plain, like <laughs> lots of LDS, lots of like Christian mm-hmm. kind of more right leaning yeah politic ideas Boise itself is pretty blue but the rest of the state is real red so it's kind of it's a little island um which I love but then I leave Boise and I'm like oh right I forgot um which is fine it is what it is and yeah I'm I'm not here to say whatever like not here to talk politics but um Anyway, so like I acknowledge that. And I think sometimes that makes me hesitant to reach out because I'm like, oh, I'm just an idiot white girl. And they're going to think I'm just, you know, like, what is like the diversity higher? Like, oh, it's a diverse, like, no, I really, truly as a human being have really struggled with the closed mindedness that can come with being very white and very like religious kind Mm -hmm. of perspectives. And but I'm trying to like, um, I, I'm like a devout follower of Dr. Nicole LaPera. I don't know if you know who she oh, is. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Okay. So I, love her. <laughs> I, I was, I've in the process cause it's been a lot, like it's been a lot for me, but working through her newest workbook, um, how to meet yourself. Okay. I'm really yeah. excited to try that. Actually, you're reminding me I need to, it I is, need to buy that. Yeah. It is mint, but, um, I've had to take a break because I was starting to get real itchy. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so much good in there, but, but the whole kind of beginning is how to, how to rate, help regulate your body, mm-hmm. which as with an anxiety body. And I also have some weird chronic illness that we can't figure out. Like, oh. I don't know what it is. I have tons of eczema all the time. My eyelids break out at the drop of a hat. My hands break out. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't even know, you know, it's wild anyway. So the, the concept though, is just being able to relax into the discomfort. And that is one thing I've really struggled with my whole life. And so that idea of like 
acknowledge, acknowledging the discomfort, acknowledging where it's coming from, but then also regulating your body enough to relax, to just be in the moment and not be so reactive. And I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I'm trying to get to with this is like, don't react to something that hasn't even happened yet and just be open to Mm -hmm. speaking to anyone and everyone who, you know, wants to have presence on the show. And that's what I'm here for is to give people a platform. And, and if I can be, I'm not, and I also like, don't want to come across as like a white savior. Cause good God, does that irritate the shit out of me? Like, <laughs> yes, that whole concept just makes me want to throw up. So I don't want to come across like that either. So then I'm like, okay, how do I balance? How do I not look like that while still trying to like branch myself out and give myself more opportunity and experience to talk to people who Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get that chance to here because Mm -hmm. there's not as much representation here of how, how vastly different and how like diverse the world actually is. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that, um, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that, you know, I'm also white if anybody hasn't seen my face yet. Um, and I, you know, even though I live in a disabled body, it's an invisible disability. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of people don't know, And so I speak very openly about it all the time. And some people have definitely said to me, like, you're attention seeking, or you just want, you want applause for being um, a good patient or whatever. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, no, I mean, okay, yes, to some degree, I'm attention seeking because I'm trying to draw other people's eyes toward issues that are really critical. Right. Um, And but it, it, it's not because I want an award or a pin or whatever. It's yeah. because I just truly believe that we need to hear the perspectives, understand the perspectives of different kinds of people. And so Absolutely. I think when we operate from a true authentic desire to help people connect with a broader range of perspectives, mm-hmm. it's hard to go wrong. You know, yeah. um, I, you know, I come from, I was a journalist starting at the age of 16 professionally. I still do that work sometimes. And the reason that I care so much about that is that there are so many people in this world whose voices are just not heard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, also as a, as a white middle-class, you know, person Mm -hmm. of means, like, I do feel like it's my responsibility to help my community and help the world get exposed to more ideas than just ideas from people like me. That's just, that's right. how I felt since I was a kid <laughs> That's yeah. how I've moved through the world. Now, do I mess up sometimes or do it in, in you know, sloppily or whatever? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm human, you know, yeah. but staying open to those opportunities to share that stuff and to make space for other people, I think is really important. And the more we do that, the more we're also like modeling how that behavior can look Mm-hmm. So that if there are people out there who don't, they're like, I don't know how that would look for me. I don't want to look like an idiot or whatever. Yeah. I, if I, hopefully I'm behaving in a way that models possibilities for people. Yeah. Um, and then I also try to stay open to the idea, to the potential that maybe I mess up. And yeah. if someone, if, if someone wants to come talk to me about that, that I'll stay open to what they have to say. Absolutely. Even if I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. And I think I was actually reflecting on that the other day. I was like, okay, like, cause I think part of me, the people pleasing part of me wants to just be like, see, I'm a friendly white person. You don't have to be scared of me. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm one, I'm on your side. And so it, it feels almost like a, like a panic, like, and then I start to like, oh, like wind myself up energetically to like, okay, I have to make sure I like, oh, dot, cross my T's and dot my I's. And, but again, it's that, like, I have to practice relaxing into that discomfort of like, mm-hmm. I might not say everything perfectly or correctly, but if I'm so focused on that, then I'm not listening to the person yeah. giving the person, whoever they are, whatever walk of life they're from, whatever yeah. they look like or whatever, whatever it is like. Mm-hmm. If I'm focused on my own self and how they're viewing me, I'm not, I'm not doing them any service. I'm yeah. not truly, I'm not letting them be heard. And mm, right, right. And the worst thing in the world, the worst feeling in the world to me is when I feel unheard, mm. especially by people I care about or that I love. And I feel like they're not hearing me. It's like mm-hmm. a punch in the gut. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was one thing I did kind of have to like step myself back and go, you need to calm down, sis. Like, <laughs> well, that's yeah. the funny thing about anxiety is it, it, you know, it, cause I have anxiety as well. I've been treated for it since I was a kid and, mm-hmm. um, it's mostly well-managed. I have days that aren't so great, but yeah. you know, anxiety closes us off from so much possibility because mm-hmm. it can feel safer not to venture outside of that afraid part of ourselves and yeah. not to oversimplify anxiety is not strictly the same thing as being afraid of something that's no. much more complicated. Yeah. Um, but anxiety can make us close down because that fear like our brain tells us like, okay, if you don't stretch yourself, then there's fewer ways for you to get hurt. Exactly. It's a protection mechanism. And it's like, yeah, you know, sometimes it can be hard to remember, but one of the practices that like my therapist told me, but also, you know, Dr. Nicole reiterates Mm -hmm. is that you have to acknowledge it, that it's there. You have to Mm -hmm. thank it, you know, thank you for protecting me, but I don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the more you kind of practice that being aware of it and acknowledging it, the easier it is to deal with it. But if you try to deny it or try to hide it or try to push it down, that's when it gets uglier and uglier and uglier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think mean, it's the same in our creative practice too. Yeah. You know, when we are feeling challenged and we want to change and grow and evolve but then we're afraid, like in quilting specifically, the thing I hear over and over again is I'm afraid to cut into this fabric and do it wrong and not be able to use it and have to throw it away. (laughs) And I know you're laughing so hard. I wish I could see Amanda right now. She's like, yeah, I might've felt that way once or twice. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, go on YouTube. You can watch it happen. But oh, okay. (laughs) I have said that so many dang times because I have all this fabric that is just in a bin and it's just sitting there and I'm like, oh, I just don't know what to do with that. If it's not the right pattern, it's going to be stupid. I'm going to hate it. And, and some of it is just, I do intend to cut into it. I just also the business, you know, my quilting business is so busy. Yeah. Making time to quilt for myself just doesn't fit in right now. And that's okay because I'm still getting to do it, mm-hmm. but I have to give those quilts away back to the people. <laughs> and I don't like that part. 
Yeah. And they're so stinking cute. But <laughs> ugh, we were long arming one yesterday because we we made a quilt for a client and it's a king size log cabin. Like oh, wow. we started with a middle square and just worked. <clears throat> and she had sent us this collection of fabrics that she had just been collecting bits of. And it's like, wow, it's a dream. It's like so pink and so cute and flowery. Oh, so and yeah, it's just like, it's so cute. I can't wait to take pictures of it when we've got it bound because <laughs> it is adorable. But anyway, those ones make me sad to send back, but yeah. also like so excited, like, look what we made for you. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah. Like when, even when you're working on a client's quilt, like you have yeah. to take risks. There are times mm -hmm. where you have to be open to like, wow, this client asked me to do, you know, whatever to this quilt. And I don't know, yeah. but I'm going to stay open to the possibility that it'll work. Like yep. we have to take those risks in, in our creative practice. And so, yeah. um, you know, that, that cutting into the precious fabric, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, well, okay. So we had a teacher come to the Chicago modern quilt guild mm -hmm. last month. Um, and she liked our guild so much that she joined, which is super fun. Um, her name is Madai Delgado and she is, she works on, um, she teaches like sustainable quilting design and practices. Okay. And she talked a lot about just like, there's always more fabric out there. Yeah. There's just always going to be more fabric. And so as I was listening to her, you know, it was so interesting just for me to think about what fabric I had in my house and what I was afraid to cut into or what I was mm -hmm. waiting for the perfect moment to work with or whatever. I was like, and the thing is those kinds of fears are what close us off from experience. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I wasn't. So for example, I had a bunch of Tula pink Zuma, which was oh like an God. ocean themed fabric collection came out a few years ago. That's yeah. It's <laughs> Oh, it's so beautiful. And mm -hmm. I bought it and I was saving it for a special occasion. And my niece came to visit and she wanted, she asked for, well, she didn't ask. She asked her mom to ask me, which is very sweet. She didn't want to seem, and, but of course I'm so happy to make her graduation quilt. Yeah. We come into my studio. She tells me she wants to become a Marine biologist. <gasps> we look at all the fabric she goes right for that big pile ah. and there's my heart starts beating and I'm like, but I was saving that for a special occasion. And then it's like, you know what? This is the special occasion, Jenny. This is this it. Is yeah. it. Yeah. So that's primarily what her quilt is made out of. And I'll tell you that like, I cut into that fabric so fearlessly and I was so excited to use it. And it was such a beautiful experience working with it. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I've been holding myself back. I've been staying close to the possibility of like weaving this fabric into other projects. Cause I've been waiting for the quote unquote, perfect project at the perfect time. And yeah. it's like, no, when you do that, when I do that, I'm closing myself off from the possibility. I could have been playing with that fabric for years, right? You know, cause I work really scrappy. So everything gets cut pretty small generally. Yeah. So we have to try to challenge ourselves to stay open to fiddling, to making mistakes, to mm -hmm. playing, to using that stuff. We're saving for the quote unquote, perfect opportunity, right. because when we open ourselves to the possibility that this could be fun and that like big, amazing things happen, you yeah. know, yeah. like really, really this thing that made my niece so happy happened. Mm -hmm. And if I had stood there and been like, no, you cannot use it. It's mine, whatever. Like that would have broken that moment. Yeah. So absolutely staying open to that stuff. I think that 
so it comes back to that comfort zone of like, we surround ourselves by people who believe in us and support us. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about your 13 year old kid says, I want to learn to drive today. And you're like, yeah, I'm staying open. You go out there. You know what I'm like? No, we're nope. not doing things. We're going to follow the laws. <laughs> yes. We're not getting crazy. We're Safety cutting up first. fabric. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're mm -hmm. doing, I'm not telling you to take giant and insanely dangerous risks. But what I am saying is that when we cultivate that energy of openness and yeah. possibility that beautiful things can come out of it. So yeah. we just, we need to keep challenging ourselves to, um, exploring and playing and lots of wonderful quilt teachers really enforce this idea. Like Tara Fonin is coming to mind. You know, she's someone who puts the grossest looking colors together and then they are like magical when they are <laughs> united, you know, yeah. like she does things with like baby poop Brown that, I'm like, I can't believe that looks so good. That's like the <laughs> ugliest fabric that I've ever seen. And yet it looks amazing. And like, yeah, you know, because she's open to the possibility. Mm -hmm. And so I think whether it's combining those weird fabrics or learning a technique that seems hard or, you know, we, the more we open ourselves to possibility, yeah, the bigger benefit comes. And so for someone who's like trying to get started it's really good to start small and start simple and like low stakes. Yep. That's <laughs> you know, what I always say too, I'm like, if you can get into quilting, so low stakes, so easy, yeah. just keep it simple. Like yep. sew some squares together. That's all you need to do. It doesn't matter. Like you're, yes. you made something, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So starting small, mm -hmm. really simple. And so that could be like, Okay. Let's say you are kind of a picky eater. Maybe you grew up in a household where you didn't have a big diversity of foods that you ate, but you want to travel the world more and you're nervous to travel because you're like, what am I going to eat in these countries? Yeah. Do they so, have chicken nuggets in Spain? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like I've had this conversation with my nephew recently because we're, he's, he's trying to make this change, you know? Uh -huh. So we started really small. We didn't, I wasn't like, let me take him for Ethiopian. <laughs> you right? know what I mean? Oh God, like, I which is Ethiopian a food that food. I adore, but so can be, yeah, it's exotic for, you know, Midwesterners. Like, right. Us. Eating with your hands. They're like, what? I'm like, just yeah. do it. Shove it in your face. It's delicious. <laughs> right. And all the words are in a, not in English. And like, yeah. yeah, it's definitely. So we, I started with um, an orange slice. Mm -hmm. He had not had an orange slice ever. Ever? Ever. He Ever? just refused, refused. And so having an orange slice just, and I, I, we start really, really tiny and it's mm -hmm. low stakes. If he doesn't yeah. like it, he can spit it out. Like it's right. not a big deal. You know, it's one bite of an orange. Yeah, yeah. With people who love him and support him and are that he knows he can trust. Yeah. And so I think we can do the same for ourselves, whether it's trying to understand a culture or an individual person who's very different from us, mm -hmm. we can start by like a tiny amount of exposure. Like a really simple thing people can do is um, follow quilters on Instagram that look or sound or behave differently from themselves, you know? Yep. So if that's seeking out quilters who work in different techniques or quilters mm -hmm. from different socioeconomic backgrounds or quilters with different spiritual beliefs or whatever, mm -hmm. just try following them on Instagram, try getting like a one minute dose of them a couple days a week and just see how that feels. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, it could be doing a fabric swap with a friend, 
mm-hmm. whose fabric choices you think are real weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. And, yeah. Like, whoa, that you went there. Okay. And then trying, just saying, you know what, let's try an experiment. Let's swap a couple of fat quarters with each other and see what we can make by combining our stuff together or whatever. Like just playing, like challenging yourself to experiment in these like small, low stakes, relatively simple ways yeah. can help us gain the confidence in, in, in the fact that like experimentation and openness can really broaden us you know, but start teeny tiny because it can be very (laughs) overwhelming. Like, um, like I made this quilt over the course of five years that was one inch hexes. So they were all hand basted, hand pieced. Uh Um, if someone had told me at the start, you're going to make a giant, like twin bed size quilt made out of one inch hexes that you're going to hand. So I would have been like, you're nuts. There's no way I'm not even going to try. Yeah. But I didn't. What's what people said to me was you have anxiety and you like scrappy quilting. Hand work is very soothing. Mm -hmm. Here are some scraps and some little hexagonal pieces of paper. Let me show you. And then I got hooked. And then it was like, I just did a few a day and then it grew and grew. And now I have this giant, amazing quilt that is like everyone's favorite quilt when they come over. But I needed a little help to just baby step into that sense of openness of like, this could be a thing for me. Right. Yeah. Well, that's where like crochet comes in for me because I can I don't have to pull out my sewing machine. Like I don't have Mm. really a sewing space in my home crochet. Like I can have right next to my bed or I can have Mm. just sitting on the couch with me. Like I can whip it out and I can just start working and you have to be so wholly focused on it because if you (laughs) miscount your stitches, (laughs) (laughs) but it, it is, it's that repetitive. It's very soothing Mm -hmm. as much as I love quilting and sewing. Like I said, again, it's like something I can just pick up right away and I don't have to like sit down at a machine and work pick out fabric and I can mm. just always have a, a work in progress. And that's like a nice anxiety reliever for me, but yeah. Yeah. And staying open to the possibility that like, this is a thing you can do. I, a lot of times, um, so I'm kind of polycraftual. I have a lot of different crafts that I've done. I usually mm-hmm. lean real hard into what I'm working on in that moment. Yeah. And then my supplies for that thing that I leaned into kind of linger. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think, oh, I should get rid of all that stuff. I should donate all of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes I have, and then other times I've kept it and thought, but maybe one day I'll want it. And then recently I've started doing more beading and jewelry making. And that's something I started to learn how to do in college. So some of my beads and stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm 50 (laughs) and I started to learn that in college. So let's say I was 20. Yeah. I mean, there's beads in my stuff that's like 30 years old. And I guess I've, I mean, first of all, I'm lucky enough to have lived in places that are big enough that I could have all my stuff with me, which I recognize not everyone has like, um, but also I think I've just, I've, I've tried to stay open to the chance that I would use them again. And so it's really amazing to have all that stuff that I can rely on. And same with you with crochet. Like it's a, it's another thing you can fall back on. And I think as quilters, we can think about other techniques like hand quilting is like, okay, that's the thing I can fall back on. If my machine breaks, I can always do some hand quilting or Mm -hmm. being scrappy and having a, a make do attitude means that if I don't have enough 
of a fabric for a backing, I can piece the backing together and it's all good. Like just yeah. kind of maintaining that attitude of, um, openness, but really like possibility. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to say, um, you know, having, having come from a very like trauma filled background and I lived for a long time in a very, um, I'm not going to say universally closed off way, but closed off to the possibility that good things would happen to me, you know, Mm -hmm. really, really, really closed off to that. And it's taken a lot of work for me to shift, to feel generally to default to feeling hopeful and positive that there are good possibilities for me. That's been an enormous like lifetime of work to get there. Mm -hmm. So as we talk about staying open, getting open, like, I don't want to forget that for some people, if this is a new idea for them, Mm -hmm. that it may be extremely challenging in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Um, but, but yeah, it was just something I wanted to make sure that I mentioned, because I think it's really important to remember that, you know, I'm, like I'm a wellness coach. I've been trained in this stuff too. And so I, um, have the privilege of really, of really feeling like it's possible, but for people who haven't explored it that much, it might be quite challenging, you know, Yeah. recognizing that change can be challenging, can feel painful, can take longer than we want it to (laughs) like all those things. But then, but then reminding ourselves that, what's on the other side is like all this possibility for beautiful stuff to happen to us by us, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I think that sometimes people have this idea that if a thing is meant to be, it will feel easy and it'll be so clear to me right away. And it's like, Oh dang, that is not how it happens. A lot of the time. (laughs) No, no. I think like the, I think one of the things that I, in that, and it's not always, it's not easy because there's lots of hard decision-making in the process, but I think when you are on the right path, at least for me, what I've experienced is when I, when I know, I know I'm on the right path, when things start to kind of align themselves, it doesn't mean that there's no work involved. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I have, I just sit back and things happen to me. It means that the barriers I was facing by trying a different path seem to go away. And then the Mm -hmm. work I do put in by getting back on the path that I should have stayed on in the first place, Mm -hmm. um, those barriers are, are no longer there and things Mm -hmm. do seem Mm -hmm. to start falling into place, but with work. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So like I had tried working part-time at a quilt shop and although I was enjoying it for a moment, the more. I realized like I kept, I kept hearing myself saying like, I have no time. I have no time. All I do is work. All I do is work. And I was like, why do I try to be this person? Like, I don't Mm. need, I want to live a softer existence. Like, why did I, you know? And I, I think I was just trying it out to see if what would come of it. And it was fine. There's nothing, there's no hard feelings anywhere involved. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. about the person, the people or anything. It was just me. And I think too, I had fallen back into that, like, oh, I did this because I was trying to impress somebody or I was trying to get people to think a certain way about me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about that experience anymore, like the initial reason why I went in anymore. And so mm-hmm. I did step away and then it was just like, whoop, like started getting more 
more guests for the podcast, like the business start getting busier again. Like there's just Mm. certain things that was like, I was still working on those things. I was still putting in the, the effort, but it was like, because I stopped putting that barrier of like, I don't have that time. Mm, or like, mm-hmm. I only have so much time for X, Y, Z. Then it was like the things that I want to, to grow and, and be better started to grow again. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So yeah, just yeah. my personal experience, but <laughs> you know, there's not, there's no, I'm not under the illusion that like, it just happens. Like, yeah, I have yeah. put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into my businesses and like, even the Airbnb, even though it's working out great, like we, we did everything ourselves. We mm-hmm. ripped out the old flooring, put the new flooring in, changed, you know, did the appliances. Like we did everything ourselves and, you know, a lot of sweat equity went into that and a lot of tears, and a lot mm-hmm. of blood, and, <laughs> you know, to make our home beautiful, to be able to share, be something we're proud to share with people. Yeah. Right. And so and there's still work on the other side. We have to keep it clean. We have to keep it pretty Mm -hmm. and not cluttery, which we're both kind of cluttery little bugs. Like (laughs) our brains are like all over the place. Sometimes we're like, Oh, I'll clean that up later. And then three days later, I'm like, Oh shit, that mess is still cool. (laughs) But anyway, I don't know. I think, yeah, it's not without work. It doesn't come without work. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think that, um, you touched on something about, you know, when we think about something as almost like our identity, it can Mm -hmm. feel more challenging to open up to the possibility of change. Yep. I, you know, I grew up in a big city. I grew up in Houston, Texas. And, and then I came up here to the Chicago area to go to Northwestern university. And then I lived in Chicago for 25 something years. And so for most of my life, almost all my life, I lived in a big city mm-hmm. and I was like, big city people are the coolest people. Yeah. Small town life is lame and boring. And like, <laughs> I had this real, you know, I'm never going to live in the suburbs. I was going to live in the city. I had this real intense idea of who I am. Mm-hmm. It was deeply tied to my identity. Like I'm a gritty person. I come from a gritty place. I live in a gritty city. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then a few years ago, (laughs) we started house hunting. It became clear we were not going to be able to afford a house in Chicago unless we wanted to fix it up a lot ourselves. And we're, that's just not where, what we, how we want to spend our time. And, um, we ended up living in a suburb (laughs) and at first I was like, it's going to make me soft as a negative. And now I'm like, it's made me soft and it's a positive. (laughs) And right? it's, it's amazing. Like I, I think that my closed off attitude about the suburbs for so long kept me from enjoying this beautiful kind of life. So we, mm-hmm. you know, we still are in a very creative, diverse, you know, close knit community of people, um, who are wonderfully helpful to each other. And I get to have a big yard with a garden and I can relax in it. And like, I have all these wonderful benefits. And I realized that my closed off attitude about my identity of big, being a big city girl actually yeah. robbed me of some serenity that I've gotten from living in a quieter, more peaceful place. Yeah. And so I think that's just, you know, to think about your example from your life, like when we 
if, if, if our idea of who we are is so closed down and so locked in that mm-hmm. we are not open to other chances and other possibilities, there's like so much that we could miss, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah. definitely now I'm a suburban girl. <laughs> I know where all the chain restaurants are and I know all that, you it. know, <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I think like Boise has gotten a lot bigger, especially in the last like 10 years, but it's kind of the perfect medium of like city ish, but you could still like be in the Hills and like away from a lot of people in like 20 mm-hmm. minutes. So mm-hmm. there's still a lot of like cool wilderness, like outdoorsy stuff to do really close by. But then, you know, from our house, you're in downtown in five minutes and like, there's lots of cool or niche restaurants coming in and a lot more spots that are just more fun. And like, we just had one of our local chefs. Um, he just won a James Beard award. Oh, wow. I was like, damn. Yeah. So that's really exciting. And, and you know, it's up and coming and there's just, there is a lot more diversity happening and more people coming in that Mm -hmm. want to see, you know, see that for, for Idaho and for Boise. And, and Mm -hmm. so that's really been fun, a fun change to experience because like I said, I've grown up here my whole life. And so I've seen it when it was less diverse and I've seen it when there was like nothing to do here. And yeah, like it was crazy. Uh, cause when I, I mentioned, I've been to Spain twice. And so the first time I went was in high school and it was like in the summer in between my junior and senior year. And mm-hmm. we went for three weeks and they were, um, renovating our airport. And so when we left, oh. we had to go through these weird construction tunnels and like get through to the terminals in a weird way. Yeah. And when we came back that in that three, after that three weeks, it was completely different. Like, so just that alone was like, so odd, discombobulating. <laughs> Plus that was like the first time I'd left the country or been on like a big trip without any family. Mm. It was crazy. But anyway, it's just like, just even that was like, oh my God, what's happening here? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. believe our airport's so big now. And now I see it and I'm like, this airport is tiny, but <laughs> it runs well. And yeah you know, it, it does what it needs to do for, for our little Valley. So yeah, it's it's good, but anyway, just interesting kind of, yeah, for sure. Things that have occurred. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've hit all the questions we wanted to address. Is there anything else you want to make sure that we get on the podcast that we haven't touched on yet? Um, I guess maybe just like reiterating the, the five kind of, per, uh, perspectives or aspects of wellness mm-hmm. that, oh, that sure. you focus on just so kind of people have mm-hmm. that as a reference. Um, so, yeah, for sure. So, um, in my wellness coaching practice, I consider what I call the five threads of wellness. And so they are physical mental, social, creative, and spiritual wellness. So we've got five aspects of ourselves that we want to look deeper into. So the physical, physical wellness encompasses things like, how are you sleeping? Are you eating food that's nutritious? Are you meditating or resting so that your body 
can recover from, you know, this hard world. Mm-hmm. Um, are you exercising like those kinds of things? They might, might, we might consider ergonomics. So for quilters, I might have, and most of my clients, we work together on zoom. And so I might have them set their laptop back farther so I can see their whole sewing space and see how they move in it, how they position themselves. Mm-hmm. How is their stuff organized? You know, how is, is their cutting table at the right height? Like all those kinds of things. Yeah. And then mental wellness, we're thinking about, um, what beliefs are you holding on to about yourself that are not serving you or mm-hmm. what values do you want to live out in your life? And how are you considering those when you make decisions? Um, are you taking good care of your mental health in terms of going to therapy or working with a coach or connecting with enough people that are giving you different ideas and fresh perspectives? So, mm-hmm. and then the um, social wellness, we're thinking about, are you building that community of support? Are you making sure you're surrounding yourself with people who really respect you and truly believe in you just as you are today. They're not, you're not a project to be worked on. They're not, it's not conditional. It's I care about you or I'm connected with you. I believe in you. I support you. Mm -hmm. And so I challenge clients to work on building more relationships with, with people to um, strengthen the existing relationships they have we work on boundaries so that the relationships they have that aren't maybe the healthiest in that mm-hmm. department can get healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because boundaries aren't just about closing people off. They're about creating safety and security of who you are mm-hmm. and how you live. And the sometimes that can actually strengthen. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then creative wellness, you know, that's how are we how are we nurturing our creativity? Do we have an actual creative practice that we're trying to, um, to cultivate? Are we challenging ourselves? Are we learning new things? Are we prioritizing our creative time? So I have some clients who really need to build in a creative practice into their life. So they're learning how to prioritize their time and in space so that they can do the work they want to do that way. Yeah. Um, and then spiritual wellness, that's, are we caring for our spirit, for our soul? Are we living in alignment with those values that we say we want to live? Are we pursuing our spiritual path? So for me, I'm a Buddhist. So if I'm, you know, if I'm behaving in a way that's not in alignment with my core beliefs, or if I'm blowing off my meditation practice every day, then that's not spiritually healthy for me. Um, and I always respect my clients because they come from all different backgrounds. And so it's not about like, well, in all ways that I coach, I don't prescribe. So I don't typically give people instructions or assignments. Occasionally I do, but very rarely because when I work with clients, I want them to initiate those quests. So I want through our work, and maybe I should back up for a second. So when we talk about coaching, Mm -hmm. my work is to create a safe, nurturing, rich space, a container Mm -hmm. for me and my client to work together on the things that they want to change. Yeah. So my job is not to tell them what to do, but rather show them that they in fact are so wise and creative and generative that they can figure out what they need. I'm there to help them 
get there to teach them the techniques to get there. But truly my clients know so much already. They just, they might have blockages that are keeping them from accessing that information, you know, whether that's confidence challenges or anxiety or financial challenges or Mm -hmm. societal challenges, like systemic things. Like there's lots of ways that we get kind of blocked. Mm -hmm. Um, But I work with my clients to help them gain that confidence to challenge themselves and to go deeper in self-exploration, even if it's scary, you know, because I'm, I'm there with them to help reduce that scariness factor. So they feel safe to do that work, you know? Yeah. So I have clients who come to me and they're looking for, um, sometimes they're looking for like deep working on deep emotional issues. And sometimes it's more appropriate for them to work with a therapist Mm -hmm. or sometimes they'll work with a therapist and with me. And there's Mm -hmm. kind of clear boundaries about what each person is helping them with. Sure. Um, but I feel so strongly that all of these five threads of wellness are woven together. And so when we think about those five threads, let's think about them like as a braid, you know, if you see all five woven together, if one of them frays or breaks, you're still pretty strong. You're not as strong as you could be, but you're still pretty strong. That braid is going to hold. If two of them break, you start to wonder, is this braid really going to hold this heavy weight of my life? Right. And so we are, I think our task, um, is to examine our life, look at the physical, mental, social, creative, and spiritual aspects of our life and try to enrich all five of those areas so that at any moment, if one of them fails, we are held up by the other four. We are strengthened Mm -hmm. by those other, you know, threads of wellness. So that's, I try to help my clients find a real balance of working on all five of them. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think we're so multidimensional as human beings Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, those five threads are, yeah, they're hang they're keeping us hanging on. And so, yeah, yeah. And it's in all that concept is in all different walks of like, you know, mm-hmm. spiritual growth, whether whatever religion it is in, you know, therapy, like my husband's in, in um, a master's program for counseling and he's mm. learning all these things. And it's very similar. It's like, oh yeah, he's, they talk about the healthy mind platter and it's that same mm. kind of concept of like, uh-huh. what, what are you filling your plate with? Is yes. it only one thing or the other? It's like, is it well proportioned? Like, and yeah. so something that he's in multiple of his classes, they've had to like dig into. And what mm-hmm. are you doing to take care of yourself so that when mm-hmm. you're taking care of other people, you can have that energy to do it? And yeah, oh, I can tell you as a wellness coach, that is important because when I yeah. meet with my clients, I mean, they are often, they are sometimes having some of the hardest challenges of their lives, and we're sitting together in in you know, on zoom, but together in that space, processing that learning from that, making changes, it's really heavy stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I know for me, like I have to know that physically I'm taking care of myself. I work out every day. I do yoga every morning. I go running three days a week. Yeah. Mentally. I have a therapist. I have a coach. I have a partner. I can have deep emotional conversations with, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, socially, I've got a deep and strong network of friends, family of choice who I can always lean on creatively. I'm always in my studio working. Um, even when I'm working on coaching, I'm surrounded by art supplies. So I'm always 
thinking of creative ways of being. And then spiritually, if I'm meditating, if I'm, you know, I'm in recovery. So, and I go to a Buddhist recovery group. So if I'm participating in that community, if I'm meditating, if I'm thinking about the four noble truths Mm -hmm. and wondering how am I living by these in my life, you know, so I need all that so that I can show up as a full well-rounded person for my clients, Mm -hmm. you know, like I need that stability, but I I need it for me first and foremost. I need all five of those things. Yeah. And it truly is that concept of like, give yourself the oxygen first and then you can help other people. Oh yeah. And yeah. And I think one thing that was really, really just kept adding to like the reasons why I left teaching because there's a million of them, but it was that I did, I never had a moment to give myself oxygen Mm. before I was needing to help someone else. And I just was giving and giving and didn't have the capacity to help myself first. And so Mm -hmm. that was, you know, I was in therapy while I was still teaching. And then she helped work, helped work me through, you know, the identity crisis of Mm. like, but who am I, if I'm not a teacher, she's like, I mean, you're a person. So you're, you are someone outside of your (laughs) profession. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But just helping me work through that and go, Oh, this is toxic for me. Like, because of the challenges I face in my personality of Mm. being a people pleaser of not putting my own self first of letting myself become a doormat until I'm so angry that I Mm -hmm. blow up at everyone around me. Like Mm -hmm. this is an environment that just lets me continue to play victim. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that anymore if I want to heal. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's just that whole, it doesn't matter what you are doing in your life. Mm -hmm. Like you need to have a strong braid. (laughs) Like, yes. Yeah. You need all five of those threads to be strong. And because you, if you pursue a life of strengthening them continually, then if one of them does fail for some reason, Mm -hmm. you've got the other four to keep holding you up until you strengthen that fifth one again. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Oh my gosh. I just like got the chills. I'm just like, I love this so much. (laughs) So I'm so happy that we could do this today. And I'm just so excited for my listeners to, to get to know you if they don't know you already and to, to hear this. Cause I think as, as makers, it's really hard to, to put yourself first, especially when you're like, I have to make this for this person. I have to, oh, I, I need to gift a quilt, like whatever I gift people has to be this amazing handmade thing now, because that's what I do. And yeah, right. And sometimes you just can't, and that's okay. And like, yeah, it's good to take the pressure off of ourselves. So I, hopefully people listening kind of, you know, I, I hope that we helped them understand that they can step into like a deeper understanding of self and, and staying open by taking small steps that they don't have to add a bunch of stuff to their plate to do the self exploration. Um, but that the self exploration can really lead to a lot of understanding that makes their life so much healthier, you know, in every way. So I really appreciate you having me on. It's so great to talk about this with you and, um, you know, and, I love the idea of helping people. It's my work has always been about helping people. I definitely am that I'm on the Enneagram. I am like a hard two. I am a helper. 
you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm a helper. I'm an artist. Like this is where I, you know, intersect. So, yeah. um, oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Cool. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun to get in front of your audience. Cool. Thanks so much, Amanda. Yeah, I really appreciate you. it. Yeah. This has been really fun and I'm so glad we got connected. Yeah, me too. I got to write a thank you note to Emily and Aaron for referring me over. Yeah, those girls are so. the best. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, take it easy. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye.